No turning back. Counter-revolution is futile. In the West today, we are losing the battle for freedom, reason and common sense to power-hungry governments and deranged wokists. Every day we go further down the hole they are digging for us and act as spectators in our own slow demise, like the proverbial frog boiling gradually in a pot. It's easy, therefore, to look back to better and freer times and think the answer lies in returning to how things were. But whilst I agree it's important to look back at our history, we must not turn back. History has happened, the future has not, and the future is where we can make a difference. Moreover, engaging in a counter-revolution, i.e. fighting to restore what was, is likely to fail and hasten the victory of our enemies. In this piece, we will explore three key reasons for this, and in the process discover what approach could be more successful in helping us take back control. Let's begin. Number one, society has changed. Society has changed massively in the last few hundred years, and yet more major change lies ahead. This is not cultural change I'm referring to, which of course has occurred, but more importantly, structural change. Think, just 30 years ago, barely anyone had a cell phone, let alone a smartphone. The slow internet was only used by government and scientists, and if you'd mentioned the term social media, no one would have had a clue what you were talking about. Or think, it's only in the last century or two that we began travelling by aeroplane and driving cars, that we launched satellites and rockets into space, that we developed the atomic bomb and mapped the human genome. Add to that antibiotics, computers, television, the theory of relativity, electric power, and the list goes on and on, and you can see how much our lives and societies have changed in just recent times. The question then is, how much have these structural changes impacted our beliefs, values, and culture? Or was it the other way around? Or perhaps a mix of the two? The answers aren't that obvious. But what is obvious is that our lives and the world we live in today is different from that of our ancestors 500 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago. And this change is only accelerating. Consider, for example, what impact artificial intelligence, robotics, the metaverse, brain-machine interfaces, advanced space exploration, quantum computing, gene editing, autonomous vehicles, lab-grown foods, nanotechnology, life extension, and more will have on our lives and societies. The problem here is that whilst we know our biology hasn't caught up with what's coming, or even with what currently is, notice for example how social media has magnified the human instinct for tribalism, our culture and belief systems too have struggled mightily to keep up. These belief systems which have both served us in many areas and hindered us in others for hundreds to thousands of years are being challenged and replaced by new ones which claim to be relevant and true to our lives today. Relevant is the key word here. With so much change, with so much time passing, it's natural for people to feel or question whether the beliefs, values and customs of generations past, great though they were, are relevant to today. From this void or dissonance have emerged the ideologies of wokeism, consumerism, nihilism and for the elite, WEFism. All of these isms are bad, 
some even evil, but they all portray themselves as relevant to our new, changed and changing world. There is a truism about the difficulty or futility of trying to swim upstream. And when you consider that the stream of change grows exponentially faster and stronger, then trying to swim against its flow is a recipe for failure. The current batch of ideologies on offer may be negative and destructive, but they are swimming downstream. If we want to have any chance of winning, we cannot be fixated on the past. We must learn from it, take what is still useful, but focus on building something that is relevant to today and tomorrow, whilst ensuring it is positive and constructive. The one constant in this universe, after all, is change. We need to change too, or get left behind. Number two, new equals progress. In the West today, whether we like it or not, new is perceived as progress, and old is perceived as closed-mindedness. Wokeism has exploited this to position itself as a visionary and morally superior way of interacting with the world and our fellow humans. This is by virtue of it being new and different. Yes, this really does sound fickle, but it's the way things are. When there are few, if any, new options on the table for a people who are confused and without a greater purpose, then you're going to win their minds and hearts by default. What else can they turn to in our modern technological age? Something their boring great-great-grandparents turn to? Or something the cool, enlightened professors, artists and tech innovators are peddling as new and truly revolutionary? It's important to distinguish here between point number one, which was focused on relevance, and this point, which is about newness, the novelty and appeal of it. Whatever you think of wokeism or its origins, this shit sandwich has been packaged and spread in a way that exploits society's belief that new equals progress. Whether we need to create something new to compete with and replace wokeism, or package something to come across as new while still ensuring it's relevant, it's a must if we're to save our society from heading down the dark road that ideologies like wokeism are leading us down. Here again, we cannot rehash the past, but must create the future. Number three, compelling reward and punishment. In the past, a majority of people in the West believed in the reward of heaven and the punishment of hell. Today, many do not. Even amongst those who still believe it, in practice, they often value worldly rewards and fear worldly punishments more than otherworldly ones. Whether you agree with it or not, rewards and punishments are powerful tools of societal influence and control, and they've been around since the dawn of civilization in many different guises. But to be effective, they need to be compelling, and to be compelling, they need to have teeth. If people don't want the reward or fear the punishment, then it doesn't achieve its desired effect. Let's focus on punishment, though, because it's the one that's most pertinent. In the West today, if I have up my sleeve the do as I say or you'll go to hell card, whether I genuinely think what I'm asking you to do is for your own good or merely for my own self-interest, it is unlikely to achieve its desired effect. Short of taking a person down to hell and showing them what will happen to them, I have a limited amount I can do. Moreover, it's not even in my control whether they will go there. Now consider the alternative, the punishment used by wokists and their enablers. Do as I say or you will lose your job, you will become unemployable, you and your family won't be able to support yourselves, your name and reputation will be tarnished and you will be disowned by the people you know. Is it an empty threat? No, they back it up time and time again. Think the company you've worked at for 10 years will back you? 
No, you're gone. Think your colleagues will stand up for you? They'll stay silent. So the woke have masterfully put forth an ideology, or religion if you want to call it that, that they paint as relevant, new, and that they back up with rewards, think promotion, money, and respect from the elites and loudmouths in society, as well as punishments that the majority fear, ones with real and immediate consequences. By contrast, when we propose as the alternative a return to something that doesn't seem relevant, that's perceived as old or backward, and that lacks a compelling reward and punishment, we fail and hand the victory to these maniacal and nihilistic wokists. So, what to do? Well, this is a big question, but nonetheless, let's explore some ideas on what a long-term successful alternative could be. Learn from the past, create the future. If the rapidly and exponentially changing world we live in has weakened tradition and enabled the rise of destructive forces like wokeism and sinister forces like the WEF, then this presents both a problem, which we have explored, and an opportunity. The opportunity lies in putting forth a more compelling vision for life, society, and civilization. One that doesn't just compete with the present options, but trumps them. For despite what it looks like, the field is still open. There is still time. The woke and the WEFers are consolidating power, but it's not yet impossible for us, their enemies, to win. This won't be easy, of course, but nothing of such magnitude is. It's also important to note that building this vision or system would likely be a collaborative and evolving effort, just as it has been for the woke and the WEF, and indeed for any notable system or movement in history. So, whilst I do not purport to have all the answers, I can paint a broad outline of what some of its features could be. Let's explore these. 1. Digitally native. By this I mean born of and spread via the digital realm, aka the internet. 2. Embodying technology. Technology as a means for expressing and achieving social, political and religious aims. It becomes indivisible with these and doesn't simply exist alongside them. 3. Spacefaring. No matter how hard it seems right now, an explicit drive to colonise planets, moons, asteroid belts or man-made structures within our solar system, and perhaps in centuries or millennia to come, other solar systems. 4. Centralisation and decentralisation. A mix of centralised and decentralised systems and institutions, each balancing the other out. 5. Universal story. A grand story about where we've been and where we're going. A sense of destiny and greater purpose. 6. A system of values. A clear, thorough and unapologetic set of values, even if we can strive for but never fully achieve them. 7. Multiracial and unicultural. People of all races are included, but all adhere to one superior and unifying culture. Multiculturalism is not welcome. 8. Compelling reward and punishment. A social mechanism for rewarding the good and punishing the wicked and corrupt in the here and now. 9. Missionary. A doctrine of spreading the system far and wide to all. And 10. Guardian class. A group of men and women who promote, guard and update the greater vision and plan. And that's an overview, at least in my eyes, of what could be relevant, new and compelling enough 
to beat the ideologies of today. Of course, there are many barriers to success, including overcoming cynicism, skepticism, nihilism, the feeling of overwhelm or helplessness, the instinct to cater to the lowest common denominator, poor organization, a slavish loyalty to tradition, a lack of will and resolve, a short-term rather than a long-term focus, and more. But that doesn't mean it's not worth trying. This might, of course, all sound ridiculous to some of you, but I do not believe we can afford to think small. Grand is key, small guarantees failure. I'm also not claiming this is perfect. Winston Churchill once said of democracy that it is the worst form of government except for all the others. And the very broad outlines of what I've laid out here could be the worst system to guide us into the future except for all the others. But regardless of whether it is or isn't, it takes a brainwashed, cowardly or foolish man to think we're in good hands as we forge our path to a bold new world. It is incumbent on us, indeed it is our duty, when the brave and wise are lacking or handicapped, to step up and take action. Our actions may echo through the ages, a butterfly effect through space and time. The hard truth is that our values and traditions are failing the test posed by the modern technological and scientific world. They are being defeated by dark forces with no end in sight. There is no turning back. Counter-revolution is futile. We must create the future or perish. <laughs>